Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalonorkas. The Russian Grand Prix was set to be a strategic battle between two Mercedes drivers and Max Verstappen, but its nature was changed before the very start when pole sitter Lewis Hamilton was given a pair of five-second time penalties for a pair of practice start infractions. Hamilton's penalties gave teammate Valtteri Bottas the chance to take advantage, something he hasn't always done this season, and after blasting by Verstappen at the start, he went on to claim his second win of the season largely unopposed once Hamilton had pitted to serve his penalty and get rid of the soft tyres he had been forced to qualify on. Verstappen once again got everything from the Red Bull package to secure second, as Hamilton came home a rather dejected third, furious about the circumstances of his penalty. Sergio Perez finished fourth for Racing Point, ahead of Renault's Daniel Ricciardo and Charles Leclerc, who again drove well to rise up the order in the lead Ferrari. Esteban Ocon finished seventh after defending last lap pressure from Daniel Kvyat. Pierre Gasly lost time when he took an extra stop under a brief late virtual safety car, but he battled back to finish ninth ahead of Alex Albon. There was an early safety car as a result of two lap one incidents. Carlos Sainz Jr. went wide at turn two and hit the barrier quite fast as he rejoined. And then Lance Stroll was clipped by Leclerc at the exit of turn four, which put him in the barriers and out while the furious that Leclerc wasn't given a penalty. So with 10 rounds completed and seven, we hope, remaining in 2020, Bottas has reduced his points deficit to Hamilton to 44 points. Now, just very quickly, a podcast first for me is mentioning a giant bee being involved in Grand Prix action because after the race, Bottas said he had missed his breaking point in the fight for the lead into turn two because of a massive bee distracting him. But anyway, let's get back to the rather more serious matter. Apologies to all bee lovers of that controversial race. And joining me tonight are Motorsport Network's Director of Digital Strategy, Jess McFadden, Autosport's F1 reporter, Luke Smith, and live from Sochi, it's Motorsport.com's Network Editor, Oleg Karpov. So let's start with the biggest talking point of the day. And Luke, as you wrote, 
wrote that rather on-the-fly news story for Autosport.com in the minutes before the race. Can you tell us and the listeners what happened with Lewis Hamilton's controversial practice starts? Yeah, as you say, Alex, that was sort of the big talking point of this race, I think really to define the story of the race. And it emerged in the build-up to lights out. Obviously, the drivers exit the pit lane and go off to complete their uh, reconnaissance laps to go to the grid. When Lewis Hamilton did that, he had two infringements for completing practice starts. Uh, The FIA race director, Michael Massey, outlined on Thursday in his usual pre-event notes where drivers were allowed to complete those practice starts. And he made it very clear that it had to be completed on the far, on the right-hand side, at pit exit. There was a very specific location where drivers had to complete them. Felt that Lewis Hamilton didn't complete it when he did his uh, initial practice start there. So that was an issue. And then when Hamilton went to the end of the pit lane exit, escape road, basically, that sort of slip road, very, very long, as we know in Sochi, sort of uh, beyond that kink at turn one. He had another stop and from there completed another practice start as a couple of drivers were going past. And for both of those... Hamilton received a five-second time penalty, which we didn't learn until about seven laps or so into the race. But it really was sort of hanging over the whole race, I think, going into it, even before lights had gone out. We had uh, Toto Wolff and Ron Meadows, the sporting director of Mercedes. They both had to go to the stewards and basically plead their case and and fight it. Wolff said afterwards that he felt it was a far-fetched penalty and didn't understand it and that the Mercedes were well within the rules and there was nothing saying that he couldn't do that. But the FIA looked very dimly on it. So it really did, I think, uh, take a bit of the excitement out of the race before it even begun, as you said, because I think we're all sort of expecting this very close strategic battle between them. But in the end, it uh, didn't play out, I think, really because of that penalty. Well, yeah, I think I think you're right there, Luke. Um, Jess, what did you think when the sort of the message flashed up Hamilton under investigation before the start had even, you know, they, they were they were barely they were barely getting into their cars. It was almost it was the grid setting still going on, uh, which obviously has been quite a talking point this season with you know the the pledge to to end racism and and all of that stuff. So it's it's already quite a charged time. But what were you thinking when when the explanations were being given over the TV and the world feed was being played out of Mercedes telling Hamilton, yeah, you can you can do the start there? Yeah, what 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 was going on? What was your reaction to seeing that? It was almost like Hamilton had got so fed up of people talking about the Schumacher record and him potentially matching it this race that he was doing everything he possibly could to make sure he wasn't going to match the record this weekend. Um, he'd obviously had what can only be described as a pretty like seat of the pants moment in qualifying the day before and then to have uh be under investigation on the grid before lights out sat in pole position which he was already feeling like wasn't the best place to start the race from just felt like he didn't <laughs> all the all the markers were saying this is not going to be your weekend um but it obviously adds a, adds a bit of drama because i think going into this race nobody really expects a thriller so it's stuff like this that kind of keeps it a bit alive it keeps everybody on the edge of their seats and adds a little bit of, of flavor to it i mean that's what we were hoping for whether that actually made much of a difference to to the standings I, i'm not sure but um it's always good to have a bit of drama we've had a couple of uh uh, to the grid dramas so far in this season and and this whenever we see the the championship leader under a bit of pressure it's always adding a an extra edge to to what we're hopefully going to see play out in the race it certainly did Oleg what what was the reaction in the press room I mean I know there was only about 10 of you in there but was it like a you know a, a massive empty space where you were shouting at the tvs echoing around wondering what was going on what, what was it like on the ground ahead, ahead of the race uh, well, I, yeah, you know, first of all, hi, everybody. <laughs> the, 
you know the journalists in the press room they're all like kids so it's all, it was all shouting all like whoa yeah, yeah so i i mean just a normal people reaction we are not experts in that moment if we're experts at all so yeah the reaction was probably uh, pretty similar to to yours guys mm. you yeah have certainly any, we're at least there yeah any additional questions Oh, certainly, certainly more coming. I like the way you. St- I like the way you started your answer by sort of, you know, uh, uh, going directly to the listeners, much like Lewis Hamilton does at the end of when he gets out of the car and his interviews uh, ahead of uh, ahead of uh, you know the part firmly procedures. He's always he's always keen to speak to his fans. So I assume that's what you were doing there, Ray Leg. Um, yeah, he had Luke, a, he had Luke, a chance this weekend, yeah, to do that. Luke, do you think the the penalties were justified in terms of um, the, the two five second penalties? We'll come to the discussion around the penalty points and Hamilton's license later on. But yeah, what about the actual specifics of those penalties? Do you think he deserved the, the ten seconds that he got? That's a tough question. I think that the nature of the ruling meant that it was it was at the stewards' discretion, so they could kind of apply what they wanted because there's no hard and fast rule like set out within the regulations what the penalty for that infringement would be. And I think that when Mercedes went to go and fight the case with the stewards, they basically said, well, our reading of the ruling is that it massively detailed on Thursday that it should only be beyond the, I think Toto will said it was something like beyond the red lights at the end of the pit lane. Like that's where you should do it. And their argument was, well, Hamilton did that on both occasions, like particularly with the second one where he's like past turn one, that is technically beyond the red lights in the pit lane. So I think they were trying to find a bit of a loophole there, but it's, I think, I think it's really, really hard to say sort of what penalty should be handed down for that. I think that ultimately it was set out no matter what Mercedes say, it was set out, I think, quite... It was quite obvious what Massey intended and what he meant by what he wrote in the in the event notes instructions. And those instructions, they are... They become part of the regulations for the race weekend. We saw that at Turn 2, where lots of drivers were hit with uh, investigations in qualifying and then ultimately a couple of penalties in the race for um, avoiding the apex at turn two and then having to take the escape route, which a couple didn't, and landed penalties because that that is part of the rules for the weekend. So I think that much as we saw with the ruling over the pit lane entry at Monza as well that caught Lewis Hamilton out and obviously really did wreck his race there, I think that it's simply a case of that those event notes are so important to actually set out what you must do and what you can and can't do over a weekend. And Mercedes ultimately didn't really adhere to that. So I think that, I think it was right that some penalty was given. I think what that penalty should have been, I think it is, it's really, really hard to say. But I think that, yeah, ultimately there, there had to be something put down because it was a regulation breach. And that that's the long and short of it, really. Yeah, it's interesting. Michael Massey and his event notes are becoming uh, one of the stars of the season so far. And that's certainly uh, having to be checked regularly by everybody and, and potentially not as thoroughly as, uh, as some of the some of the drivers or the teams could have done. You know, if we think if we think back to the Monza incident and, and what happened there with Mercedes. Um, Jess, Oleg, anybody, anybody going to disagree with Luke? Do you think that anybody think Mercedes was hard done by? No, I think I think it was totally fine. Uh, yeah, it's stewards are there to decide such things if they think it's five seconds penalty then we should leave it to them it's their job yeah sometimes we can speculate if it was right decision or wrong decision but that's in an endless topic i'd say and yeah we can talk about consistency but every situation in the end is different and stewards are there exactly to take such decisions and yeah i usually just tend to agree with them not in terms of like agree with everything what they say is right but it's their job in the end and 
yeah. If everyone has an opinion on what kind of penalty there is, it means that this kind of choice you, you're given to, to decide which penalty it is. And it's their job to decide. And if they were chosen to do that job, what can you tell about it? Valtteri Bottas won that race. Um, it was pretty, it seems to be pretty simple once Lewis Hamilton had pitted. He sort of extended the gap away uh, to Max Verstappen ahead of their, their pit stops to get rid of the medium tyres. What did we, what did we make of this race, um, um, Luke? What did you think of Bottas today? Was he was he was he was he you know was he the best driver out there, or was it simply he just delivered what the Mercedes was capable of? Uh, I think he delivered what the Mercedes was capable of, and I think that given the advantage they had over Red Bull this weekend, I think that really anything but a comfortable race would have been a massive sort of failure on his part, and it was quite uh, strange to see him get out qualified by Max Verstappen yesterday. Toto Wolff suggested that Bottas sort of had taken a bit of a step back in qualifying, maybe wasn't as comfortable with the car, but he seemed to, I guess, sort of like he seemed pretty at ease through today's race, like there was never sort of any big pressure, any big issues, but that's because Lewis Hamilton wasn't there, and it was it was a very straightforward win for him, and after the race, uh, we spoke to Toto Wolff on the Zoom media call, and uh, all like the first three or four questions were all about Lewis Hamilton and the penalties. And then someone said, "Oh, about Bottas." And Toto was like, "Thank you." Like finally, someone wants to talk about Valtteri and him winning the race. And but Bottas wasn't the story today. Like he scooped up a very straightforward win. He capitalised on a, a very simple win. I think that. Ultimately, it's impossible to say how that battle with Hamilton would have played out, as as you said at the top of the show. Like the fact they were on such different strategies could have made things really interesting. But we were robbed of that fight completely. So all he has to do is sort of keep his tyres in check. He was able to pick up the fastest lap very late on, so his t- he was never really sort of at risk or ever have any sort of tyre issues or anything like that. And I'm going to be really intrigued to see what you give him for the driver ratings because I think obviously qualifying will be a, a massive markdown. I would have thought, but in the race, like it's very hard to say like how just how good that was a performance from Valtteri Bottas uh, but he did what he had to do he won the race fuss free no issues I think a good step for his his title hopes as faint as they may be he's still what 40 44 points behind I believe in the championship so it's a big hole to get himself out of but this is a start it's a, a break of the momentum that Lewis Hamilton had built up so I think that you're going to have lucky wins from time to time and I think Bottas will sort of just basically take today's and say you know what I've done it yeah, on the driver ratings front, it's quite difficult to, to compare the two Mercedes drivers because it's not really an equal fight between the two of them. But I can reveal that nobody in the field has got a perfect score. Um, but we shall see the reveal the full full uh, full ratings on Autosport.com Plus and uh, Jess, who do the driver ratings video for YouTube. Um, but coming coming to you, Jess, what did you make of Bottas's reaction to victory? He uh, he echoed, and if there are any any children in the vicinity, please cover their ears now. Uh, his 2019 um, his 2019 Australian Grand Prix victory where he came on the radio and said, to whom it may concern, f*** you. And he said it again today. He said it was nice to uh, nice to address my critics. Yeah, what did you what did you make of that response, Jess? Well, it was nice that he got to be able to use it again, wasn't it? Because he's, uh, he's had a, a, apart from the op- season opener, he's had a bit of a drought of victories. So, you know, I mean, in all fairness to him, I was looking on his Instagram and he was getting a lot of abuse on some of his messages about how he'd given up and he might as well go home, he might as well quit F1. And he was answering those critics. He was writing back on Instagram and saying, you know, I've got the attitude that I never give up. I don't I don't care. And, and, and that's how I've I've got here. So you can doubt me all you want. But 
I'm here to do a job and and today he delivered whether or not it was a fantastic drive or one that we're going to write down in the record books uh, against his name as as one of his best wins ever probably not but the fact is is that he did what he needed to do today and as Luke said you know he's keeping uh, some semblance of a title battle uh, a light but how long that lasts for we'll have to see we're still we've still got quite a good chunk of the season to go um we've seen that lewis hamilton doesn't have perfect race weekends every race weekend so you know good on him um i think that the that's the attitude you have to have in formula one you can't you can't be seen to give up we've seen we've seen what happens to drivers that are seen to have, have given up and and i think it, it was probably more important to him to be able to say it than what it might mean to his critics um but you know that's formula one part of this part of this job is is a psychological one so it probably feels good for him and he he needs to take this confidence uh and into the into the next few rounds of the of the championship and that is what he was saying in the press conference afterwards he's saying you know it's good uh, it's good boost of confidence and hopefully momentum to go forward into the into the title running Turn two, Luke, you wrote a story I saw land earlier, I, I assume it's been published on autosport.com, about Carlos Sainz Jr. was one of the drivers criticising the layout at turn two. Um, I mean, I think I think it's a little bit rich of Sainz to blame the corner for, for what he did, considering lots of other drivers went off there and went through the bollards and didn't have a massive accident. It, that is that, Carlos, I think you've got to own that a little bit. But yeah, what is the sort of, what is the debate around this corner and why do the drivers hate it so much? It's a very it's a very weird sort of profile corner and it is this this rule about that if you run beyond the apex so you have to take this escape route and because of where that escape route is set out and it sort of puts them sort of into the middle of turn 3 basically and it makes it it makes it very difficult for them to rejoin safely particularly in a sort of a racing pack situation and we saw this last year in the formula 2 race when i believe it was Nikita Mazepan who rejoined the track uh basically tried to go full pelt and keep keep it keep his foot in and go really quickly through the sort of through the bollards so as not to lose as much time because he's a racing driver that's what they do and then that sparked quite a big crash in the the f2 race if i recall correctly and i think it was a similar thing to say that ultimately if you say to a racing driver you've got to go through that that bit of tarmac they will still try and do that as quickly as they can and that's what science tried to do he admitted afterwards that he got the angle a bit wrong when he was going in that caused him to hit the wall on the left hand side and ultimately crash and and bring his race to an end and bring out the safety car early on but i think that it, it did get quite a big response from a lot of drivers like a lot all of them have said i think for a number of years now just how bad that that turn two is that you've got this rule about where you have to rejoin that causes problems uh Carlos Sainz said that turn two shouldn't exist and I think that a lot of critics of Sochi would say about turn one turn three turn three to 18 maybe that it's all all the same thing really just shouldn't exist but I think turn two in particular like it is I I don't like it either and I think that Sainz does have to own it for the instance today I think that that was all on him but it is just the fact that they've got this very draconian rule about where you must rejoin I think that could create that could create crashes that that did today with science. I mean, if he'd been much further up the order, had he been running second or third, for example, and his car goes back in towards the pack after hitting the wall, I mean, that's that's not very safe. So I, I would like the FIA to have a look at it. And I think hopefully it's something that they will sort of review as their ongoing process, looking at racetracks and, and what they do moving forward. But yeah, it was just a, a bit of a mix. Like Andrea Seidel, the McLaren team principal, he said, the rules are there for a reason and ultimately like Carlos was the one who crashed and everyone else was okay uh Roman Grosjean later in the race he just went straight through the bollards at one point and, and left some debris that caused a VSC so it's uh yeah I 
I don't like it. I just think it's a bit of a crap corner. So hopefully they can, moving forward, do something a bit different because I think it just could create some bigger, more dangerous accidents. Yeah, I thought I thought Grosjean was quite lucky not to get a penalty himself when he went straight through the bollards. That seems to be not so obviously not you know it's it's not as bad as just cutting the corner outright, but it wasn't still wasn't what he was supposed to do. He wasn't no, supposed to drive no, straight, no. straight through them. And That's what I do on like the F one video game, and it's just like that's not not what professionals should be doing. Exactly, and he did bring the marshals out, obviously under the VSC, but but nevertheless. Anyway, and um, Oleg, what do you think? Is there anything? Are there any? Are there, do you think that the the Sochi organisers will, will listen to what the drivers are saying, or or you know, can there can any be changes be made, or are they just going to have to get used to it and perhaps take it a bit easier when they're coming through those bollards uh, at, the, at future races? What we all agree on is uh, one thing we really liked in Mugello was that there were gravel traps and we didn't have all these discussions about endless. And I'm, I'm very tired of this topic. And if there was a gravel there or anything else, what would slow naturally the driver down, we wouldn't have that discussion, wouldn't have these accidents like last year with Nikita and uh, Nobuharu or uh, this year at the start again. So, yeah, I, I mean, in that particular corner, I spoke to Hammond Tilke about that when... Uh, the track was designed and presented and you know he's a track designer but here in this particular case he was just given the territory with a lot of bu- buildings around and he basically managed the only to 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 create the only route uh, possible between them and uh that corner is shaped uh exactly like that for a very good reason and in initial plan it, it, it was supposed to go deeper and then there would be a sharper right uh but that wouldn't be safe enough so there has to be that sort of a so it has to be moved uh, backwards a bit and then there has to be that sort of kink i don't know how to avoid it honestly uh yeah just put some gravel there Absolutely. Well, let's come on to talk about the the sort of the stars of the race behind the podium finishes. Um, Jess, let's let's have a little think about Sergio Perez because he's sort of he's sort of a it's a weird one, Perez, because he's 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 unlucky at the start in terms of he's on the less grippy side of the road, but he still doesn't get a great getaway. But then it's when the Renaults pit and get stuck behind the Ferrari that he just absolutely nails, extends that first stint, and that's what keeps him ahead, and he's able to. He ends up having quite a lonely, quite a lonely race finish. But what what was quite interesting, I thought, for this one was that this was on a this came on a weekend where Lance Stroll again had the updated racing point car, but he sort of you know I I, I don't obviously don't really fault stroll for what happened in the crash with Leclerc but if he if he'd nailed his his first lap in Q2 he wouldn't have needed to go out again and you know he, he's not in danger of being uh, in danger of being knocked out and then he comes out in the pit lane and we saw the car being pulled back in because of the uh, the engine issue that uh, Luke and I discussed on the podcast yesterday sorry it's a very long-winded way of me getting to a question for you but yeah what did you make of Perez's drive today? I thought it was it was everything that he needed to do after the weekend that he'd had uh, especially with all the the hearsay about the end of his tenure with with Racing Point and the the kind of the rumours that were swirling that clearly got his back up quite quite a lot. So and and there was a lot of talk before about the upgrades and and whether you know the, the Racing Point team were favouring Stroll, which obviously I don't I don't think is a very fair um, a fair way to look at it really. And like you said, it wasn't exactly Stroll's fault that at both Mugello and here he's had a DNF whilst carrying those upgrades it's just one of those things that happen in Formula One unfortunately but Perez had an absolutely stunning race and I thought his move on Ricardo was absolutely 
top notch you know proper elbows out really fair racing great wheel to wheel action um and he put that racing point where it needed needed to be at the end of the race i don't think there's really much i could fault him for over this weekend so again another driver i'm quite interested to see how they rate in your in your ratings alex um but i genuinely just think yeah i mean yeah i can't fault him there's there's nothing really i can i can comment other than what a great drive from sergio perez Agreed. I think, as I said, no perfect scores. And again, he's just that, just that start that costs Perez as it, as it costs Max Verstappen. But at the same time, you know, they're on the less grippy side of the road. But then, well, anyway, that's, that's, that's getting into the, 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 uh, the chemicals of tarmac. I'm not going into that. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's, let's come on to, let's come on to, uh, uh, another star behind, um, Luke Charles Leclerc. Again, he's, you know, he had, he had a, we sort of discussed this on the, on the podcast last night, sort of a frustrating, end to qualify and being knocked out in 11th um but again a great drive a long long first stint as we saw he's he's made that work very very nicely a couple of times this season obviously it was always going to be a one-stopper it didn't have you know there was there was no chance to do anything different on strategy because of the nature of the track but yeah what did you make of Leclerc's drive today another brilliant brilliant performance and that's Ferrari's best result for five races since the the second Silverstone race which is I think uh, quite telling about the performance that Leclerc put in I thought he was fantastic uh, yeah really did manage that first stint very very well meant that when he made the switch from uh, the mediums to the hard side that he was uh, already able to get the jump on Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly so I thought a very very good performance indeed the only sort of like question mark came about that clash with Lance Stroll on the opening lap at turn four Stroll said it was ridiculous that Leclerc didn't receive some kind of penalty for that the stewards did investigate but thought that no penalty uh, needed to be uh, given for that no further action Leclerc explained afterwards that he simply got a bit of understeer and basically just ran a little bit on in the corner and that caused him to go in towards Stroll and there was nothing sort of malicious or any sort of intent behind that so I think that's uh, maybe the only sort of question mark over his performance but otherwise yeah a really really great display and I think that he's um, I think he's done a, a brilliant job this weekend Ferrari brought some small updates for the SF1000 car to this track and Bonotto Matia Bonotto so the team principal was asked after the race like this performance is it down to just the track being more suitable or the updates what is it and uh, Bonotto said that no I don't think it is the update he said I think it was very small I think it is down to the car working a little bit better around here but also the performance of the clerk because he was yeah really excellent today yeah I just wanted to add one thing about Charles um, I had a chat after Monza after Italian Grand Prix with uh, Alfa Tauri's sporting director Graham Watson and yeah he was almost like gutted that uh, Charles is driving for Ferrari this year because he was like he was saying literally we are faster than Ferrari we think we can we can beat them this year but Charles can pull sometimes such strong weekends he is never giving up he is just bloody fast and I think he's really one of the unsung heroes of the season and yeah if Ferrari will end up sixth in this constructors championship and yeah if we think that the upgrades they're going to bring to Germany and things pretty much, pretty much will stay the same, I think it will be the uh, victory for Charles. Oleg, let's, let's come back to you just, just very quickly on the result uh, of the Alfa Tauri drivers today. Daniel Kvyat, Pierre Gasly. It was sort of a, a battling and unexpected end for Gasly after he'd, he'd come in under the virtual safety car and then had the, had a nice engagement um, up, up at the end against Alex Albon. Uh, but Kvyat was very close to passing Esteban Ocon at the end. And I know that you're regularly dispatched to, to cover the Alpha Tauri sessions for us. Well, I think you volunteer for them uh, most of the time. But yeah, what did you make of those two guys today? A decent race. I think they've got, um, if not everything, what they could, but pretty close to it. 
Danny, maybe you can say that uh, he could have gotten uh, S1 in the end, but uh, it's it's kind of a thing for him. He spent so many races be- behind Ocon this year, and yeah, he still um, somehow struggles to pass him. So maybe that's something he has to work on. Uh, but all in all, decent weekend. I think they uh, got decent points in the bag. Uh, and Danny, again, he pointed out after the race that he was happy with the result and happy for the team and happy with his driving. But Ferrari, again, outscored them just by two points. But they really think now of that battle. And that's exciting. Yeah, who would have thought this time 12 months ago when Ferrari were conspiring to lose the Russian Grand Prix from one two position that a year later they'd be uh, they'd really be in a battle with, with Alfa Tauri or Tauri, Toro Rosso as it was then. Um, Luke, very quickly as we head towards the last couple of things we're going to discuss on this podcast, um, Lewis Hamilton's wait to, to equal Michael Schumacher's all-time win record of 91 uh, goes on for one more race at least. Um, but we'll be going to the Nürburgring uh, in two weeks' time where... You know, what, what were we expecting from that track? Because the, the famous 24 hours there this weekend got absolutely suspended and interrupted because of the uh, the terrible weather. So is a similar thing going to happen to the Formula One race? Obviously, that won't be taking place through the night. We know this, but could still uh, could still spring a surprise or two. It's going to be quite interesting, isn't it? I think when in, when the race was announced, uh, Sebastian Vettel said that he, he was quite curious because he said it's, he called it German Siberia, which I thought was quite a, a nice way to sum it up. And I think that uh, that's a race that uh, you and I are planning to attend, Alex, and go for, for Autosport. And I think it's going to be... I'm really interested to see what it's like, actually, because Nürburgring obviously was always a, traditionally a, a summer race when it was on the F1 calendar. So to now all of a sudden go to sort of autumn, late autumn at that, like I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Drivers were asked about it after the race today. Ferrari were asked, like, what do you reckon? Sebastian Vettel in particular uh, obviously won the last F1 race at the Nürburgring in 2013. And he said, well, if it rains, like, it can't hurt us. Like, we're, we're slow anyway, so it gives us maybe more of a fighting chance. But I think it's going to be, that's going to be a really interesting weekend, I think, because it's going to be cool temperatures regardless. It's going to possibly get some rain. Who knows how much rain? I'm, I'm really interested. I'm definitely going to be packing a coat or two for that one, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely! I'm expecting it to be uh, to be absolutely freezing cold. We shall see whether whether we make it, how it all goes with the the COVID uh, protocols and pandemic, um, you know, notwithstanding. Obviously, very very sad that that continues. And and oh, look, that's that's really where I wanted to to, to end things on this podcast. Uh, your first race on the ground as a result of the of the pandemic, just interrupting everything for everyone. How did you find it? How what, what were the protocols like in Russia? As we, as we covered, not not many people there on the ground reporting on it. But yeah, how how was your 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 first Russian Grand Prix without any uh, any real access? To the paddock and things like that and with all the uh, the tests and the mask wearing how did you find things well i think uh i haven't been to the previous rounds but uh as far as i'm aware it was absolutely the same in terms of the protocol as uh, in any other places it was a little bit uh more difficult for the international media to arrive to russia because they uh yeah it's complicated to fly nowadays and uh you know there, there weren't many direct flights from europe to sochi anyway so and think things got worse so i for example flew from berlin uh to moscow via istanbul and then from moscow to sochi because there were no direct flights uh, from berlin to moscow uh, nowadays the, the the all flights are cancelled basically uh and yeah uh we were only 10 journalists uh, covering uh, from the written media covering uh, the event from from the media center i'm not talking about tv of course um and yeah what to say i think it was complicated for for an international media in the, in that respect it was slightly different but 
all in all, I think it was pretty much the same as we are now used to. Good. Well, we wish you all the best with what sounds like a very complicated return journey. Uh, But anyway, thank you to the three of you for appearing on the podcast tonight. And thanks to everybody listening along. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out on Thursday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. There'll be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every Thursday, packed full of news, analysis and the usual stunning photography. And of course, if you want unlimited access to Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash bus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com slash Trilo music. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.